unpredictable, very resourceful, a master chef, a wisecracking know-it-all, always improving himself. He is Caleb Clifford Jennings Betterton. This is Caleb Stink. All right, guys, welcome to Caleb's Take, the third take of the year. And today we're continuing our series on building pillars in your life. But first, before we get there, I'm going to start off with a little book review. And today's book, a book I just recently finished. It took me a while to finish, but here it is. Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom. Um, overall, I give the book a solid B, maybe a B minus. It's a good book. It's very informative. It's a good insight into his entire life. However, I do think the author put a little too much of his own opinion and his own viewpoints um, in there with it. And there not too much. It wasn't too much. Um, it was still a good book, but there's some times where you can kind of tell that He's kind of putting in some of his own ideas, not necessarily what is factual, and which is fine. Um, you write the book, you get to do what you want. But for me, it knocks it down a little bit, puts it down to a B. It's a good book. It does a good job of showing the conflict that Douglas um, dealt with throughout his life, though, both as a young man into his older years and is dealing with life, family, as well as his public figure, his public persona. And the amazing work that he did to help um, free slaves in slavery and continue on into the post-slavery era. And so, very good book. Again, not quite an A in my opinion. A solid B, maybe a B minus, but I definitely recommend this book if you're trying to learn more about Civil War history, um, African-American history, and just look into a unique and amazing individual in Frederick Douglass. So, Frederick Douglass... Prophet of Freedom by David W. Blight. So check it out if you want to. This has been the book review. Coming up next, we got our pill that we're going to build on today. guys welcome to today's pillar we're going to discuss today's pillar is the pillar of discipline which ties into if not most but all of the other pillars we have discussed and will discuss and so i recently read benjamin franklin's autobiography and he like most of us had reached a point in his life where he wanted to be more disciplined and in this case, he wanted to be more disciplined in his character. So he made a list of 13 virtues that he wanted to, to improve his life with. He felt like he could use improvement in his life. Uh, the 13 were temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, humility. The first step for any of us when it comes to becoming a more disciplined person, 
we must identify what we need to be disciplined at, the areas we need disciplined. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's Bible reading. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in reading more, etc. You can you can identify it for yourself. There are many things all of us, myself included, could be way more disciplined in. But you got to identify what that is. And Benjamin Franklin did that. He made a list of 13 things he identified that he wanted to be more disciplined in. Um, identifying comes from self-reflection. We all need to take time to self-evaluate ourselves honestly. Honestly is the key word there. As well as recognizing when outside criticism is valid. No one likes criticism. But sometimes criticism is necessary and sometimes criticism is valid. And we must be humble enough to want to self-reflect and realize, hey, I got some issues here. I got to be more disciplined here. And humble enough to realize when you're getting criticism, maybe there's something here that I can apply and actually I do need to take what they're saying as fact. After identifying the issues, we must do what Franklin did next. Make a plan. There is no discipline without a plan. You can't improve on something. You can't become more disciplined in something without a plan on how to get there. Franklin planned to give his attention to one of those 13 virtues a week and do his best to not succumb to temptation. Then move the next virtue the next week. So theoretically, in 13 weeks, he he could become way more disciplined in all 13 areas. To keep track, he made a list of all 13 virtues and then on a horizontal line, put the days of the week. At the end of each day, he would reflect on it. And if he had to come to temptation in that area, he would put a star next to it so he'd keep track of his progress. He could see how good a job he did at being disciplined and not succumbing to temptation. However, as most of us often find when trying to become disciplined, discipline takes consistency and picking yourself up again and again after you've fallen. Because Franklin wrote, not only after following this plan for a little bit, I was surprised to find that I had more faults than I first thought. <clears throat> Franklin spent years going through weekly charts, picking himself back up to incorporate these virtues. But that's what discipline really is. Learning how to get back up when you fall and then get back up and pursue it again. It's the art of being disciplined, of becoming disciplined. And once you become disciplined, you can have consistency, which we talked about in the last episode. Because in the last episode, we talked about consistency. And discipline is the process of becoming consistent. Once you become consistent, then you can become successful in a given area. So, Begin the process of becoming disciplined. Examine yourself. Ask those close to you to give you direction on your flaws, on your weaknesses, on your faults, on areas you can discipline yourselves better. Then make a plan. Then when you mess up on that plan, when you fail at that plan, dust yourself off, get back up, get back on track, adjust the plan where it needs to be adjusted if, if need be, and build the pillar of discipline 
in your life. As you know, Benjamin Franklin became a great man, achieving and accomplishing many great things. And that took some discipline. And it also took some time. Again, discipline is the pathway to consistency. And when you're on the pathway to consistency, because once you get consistent, then you can become successful in a given area. Coming up next, we're going to have a little fun at people who don't know how to shake a hand's expense. Stay tuned. guys so now for some fun we got through the book review we got through the take now it's time for Caleb to do what Caleb does best and that is say a bunch of crazy stuff so recently I found this article and the information that I'm about to give you could be not only life changing but also life saving. So, I think you should thank me for that. And as a way of thanking me, go to the show notes of this podcast right now where it says buy me a coffee or go to buymeacoffee.com and look up the gist and become a member or just donate as a thank you for this news information I'm about to give you. For a dollar a month, you can become a member of The Gist. Get exclusive content, behind-the-scenes content. You get the Horse and Camel story series. You get voting rights. You get a handwritten letter and a sticker. I mean, all for a dollar a month. Or if you're a cheapskate, you get a deal and can buy the annual plan for $10 a year and save $2, you bunch of cheapskates out there. But you should totally go say thank you because the information I'm giving you today is that a new study shows that a limp handshake could be a sign that you're going to die. People who don't give firm, solid handshakes, all right, could die younger. Now, before you say, Caleb, you're crazy, you're making this up. No, no, no. This is from a study from the University of Michigan, Go Blue, check it out, where they say that weak handshakes, weak grip can be a sign of degenerative, I can't say words, you know this, degeneration of your bones, of your muscle, of your strength, which could be a sign of get this cancer. All because you have a weak handshake. How many people know this person at church? You're having a good day, great service, great worship. God's been moving. Church is over. You're about to go to get some food, go home, whatever it is you do after church. 
and you go to shake your brother's hand and he gives you the wet fish handshake. And it completely ruins everything. One, it's disgusting. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. But two, now you know that that friend may be dying. Think about it. According to the study, of course, now, for some clarity here, everyone tested in this study was seven years old or older, but they did do this study for eight to 10, not days, not weeks, not months, but years. And as the decline went, a decline in their grip went down, so did their health and so did potential degenerative diseases, including cancer. So you've shaken your brother's hand and it gives you that wet fish, gimpy handshake. And now you're holding on to him. One, because it's weird. Two, because you now you know he's dying. And what do you do? Your friend, you know, is at risk of having some disease. So what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You, one, you don't let go of their hand. One, two, probably hold on tighter. Grip that thing. Just to test it. Because they grip harder back. Maybe, maybe they're, they're just, you know, having a, they're tired or something. But if they don't grip back harder, then you know, okay, now it's time to pray. Again, this study from the University of Michigan, check it out, look it up. It's a real study. And the details may be my own, but it's a real study. And you look this up, keep a hold of their hand, and you just say a prayer for them out loud. No, no explanation. Just say a prayer for them. Pray that God would touch them, heal them of all their diseases, that they wouldn't die that you'd give them strength and then let go walk away. No explanation. Don't give them any explanation. Just do that. Hold on tight to them. Don't let go of their hand. Let's start praying out loud. Walk away. Because here's, you know what happened. Here's what happens. One, they'll never shake your hand again, which is a good thing because who wants to be shake their hand, get their hand shaken by some guy who gives a wet fish handshake anyway. Two, you may have just Save their life. Um, but at the very best, the very least anyway, now you'll never have to shake their hand again because shaking someone's hand who gives you that wet fish handshake is literally the worst. Not literally the worst. I'm not going to exaggerate. One of the worst things imaginable. It's disgusting. It's weird. And it's embarrassing for that person. At least it should be. It should be. So... Don't, here's the thing, in this study, if you think, well, I got a, a weak handshake, I got a wet fish handshake, and maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm going to die. Maybe I'm dying. Well, here's, there's a hope. It said at the end of the article, at the end of that study, that if you would just begin to build your strength, go to the gym, get one of those stress ball things, get the squeeze in that thing, build some strength, get some muscle back, it can help prevent potential degenerative diseases. So this has been um, your public service announcement. Today's sponsor has been the National Medical Bone Degeneration Society. And we thank them for their sponsorship. We thank them for uh, all they're doing to give awareness on wet fish handshakes. So shout out to them. Shout out to you. Anyway, hope you enjoyed today's show. In all seriousness, leave a review. Um, 
share this podcast. Let people know you like it. Tell them about it. And leave a five-star review. And just thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate you being a part of this. We continue to help. Our goal is to grow it, build it, make it better. And we can't do that without you. We do this for you. So thanks for listening. Caleb, out. See you next time. Or you can hear me next time. Or something like that. Bye.